today I'm going to be interviewing you on a recent article that is going to be published, we think, in the winter version of JIP. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. Yep. Yep. It's on contemptuous political partisanship. Did I say that right? That's contemptuous political it. partisanship. It's a mouthful. Um, you want to give us like a brief outline of what it's about? Sure. So, you know, certainly right now in the United States, we're just having kind of a, I would say, a cultural moment where we've got um, unpre- unprecedented uh, animosity that exists between the kind of two uh, political sides, we could say. Um, and, you know, I, it's not that it's a new thing that there is animosity between two sides, but just the levels of animosity. Uh, they There's good science behind this. Now Pew Research has done a, a lot on this. I cite some of this in the article, but it's just a very intense time uh, with a lot of animosity and contempt being, you know, kind of something that's sitting at the center of that. And so uh, the article, in essence, is it's just from an Adlerian perspective, understanding where it is that that contempt is coming from um, and how it's not just where it's coming from, but also how it's being maintained and why it seems to be intensifying. And then, uh, of course, it's not just all dour and uh, and depressing. Uh, I include just from an Adlerian perspective, again, what we can do in order to push back against these um, toxic trends. It seems like the, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but the thing that is the remedy is Gemeinschafts, if you'll. Yeah. Can you define that for us a little bit? Sure, yeah, for um, for those of us who either are not Adlerians or do not speak German, Gemeinschaftsgefühl, that's uh, uh, kind of translates literally to community feeling or a feeling of community. And the idea uh, for Adler, that is the defining feature of mental health, is this sense that we belong to others and that they belong to us, that there's mutual responsibility. Other people have responsibility to us. We have responsibility to others, that we need to contribute as a member of a community and not just um, be looking out for ourselves or for those in immediate proximity to us. But, to, you know, his sense of community is rather broad. It's global. It's uh, really the human community, not just uh, like my little nuclear family or my local community. Yeah. Now, all I'm thinking about is like, how would this flesh itself out in the political environment now? Like, what is healthy political engagement with that in mind? Yeah, I, I think that the the main thing that we really have to understand is that uh, everybody wants to belong in a way that is significant. We want to belong in a way that matters. And so what is concerning to me from an Adlerian perspective about how a lot of our uh, political conversation or, or lack thereof is happening right now is that there's almost this, um, if you listen, let's say at least to the most extreme uh, folks on, on either side of a, a debate, the way in which they talk, it's almost as if everything would be fine if our opponents ceased to exist or if they just shut up and sat in the corner. And this is not fundamentally how people gain a sense of belonging to a community. Um, people gain a sense of belonging by having something to contribute. And so when, you know, let's say that I'm on a certain side of an issue and when I communicate to the other side is you have nothing to contribute. All that we need you to do is sit down, shut up, and get out of the way. Um, all that that does is exacerbate this uh, distance from a feeling of belonging with significance, and that's going to invite, um, again, there's a very Adlerian idea, that's going to invite lots of compensations, one of one of those compensations being uh, contempt. How about 
now I'm very, very interested. Uh, contempt seems to be, and I'm not saying this as an excuse, but we can have some compassion for why we are contemptuous. Like, what is the adaptive purpose of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, contempt, there's a sense in which it's kind of a, a, a desperate emotion. Um, uh, our friend and my former professor, Paul Rasmussen, talks about contempt as the uh, distancing emotion. It puts emotional and psychological distance between us and other people. And so there's a, um, like we can catch ourselves when we say things like those people. Yep. Uh, that's a, that's a way we're we're othering uh, a, another class of people, and of course, any, every time that we do that, we're putting ourselves in the one-up position, where it's like, well, those are the bad people, and I'm one of the good people, and so that's that's kind of how it might show up behaviorally. But it really it's an emotion that it reeks of desperation. You know, we're we're kind of grasping at straws at some point, and it's like, well, I feel so inferior. I feel so put down or out of control or disempowered or whatever it might be that the, the thing that is left to me is I will, other this other group of people, I will only think negative things about them. And, oh, well, they might be X, Y, and Z, but they are so terrible. They are evil. They are, you know, opposed to the well-being of humankind. Um just kind of like you know sociopaths or whatever and it's it's always easier it's it's, it's always so easy, easy to be to, better than a sociopath it yeah. is if you villainize and you have a reason to that's right know, push against so let me get this straight so contempt it's a distancing emotion it distances us from someone or something that what like threatens our integrity right yeah or okay, at least, i mean at least we perceive it okay, to threaten our integrity so here's my my question mm -hmm. so because Politically, people like to get in the weeds about, like, we're the good side, they're the bad side. Mm -hmm. By integrity, do you mean, like, being honest and having strong moral principles? Or do you mean, like, the sense of being whole and complete? Yeah, no, I think definitely the... the well, that's a, that's a good question. I think... I know. I think one of the things I want to make very clear, and I feel like I, I worked hard at this in the article, is that I don't want to promote a kind of like compromise or civility based political engagement because I, I don't think it's just about being nice. I don't, I, I actually think that that's um, fairly disrespectful both to ourselves and to other people. Um, so it's not so much about, oh, you can't have strong opinions or, you know, take a strong moral stance, but I think it's this awareness of, okay, this is what I have to offer. I do have these things to say, these uh, things to contribute as do other people. They also have things to say. They also have things to contribute. And um, it's more about meeting the demands of the situation rather than meeting my psychological, my, my needs for psychological comfort. And like, well, I know that at least I'm on the right side of history or the, the good, right. I'm in the good crowd. I'm on the right you side can, of you things. You can hear the superiority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, I wrote it down, I, I think I quoted you. Um, the answer, because we don't want the cheap middle ground, mm -hmm. um, is bring what we have to the community as a contribution, sometimes in the form of an uncompromising voice or boundary. Mm -hmm. Can you give an example of that? Cause like, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, let's say, uh, let's take kind of a, a classic, uh, dispute among, let's say kind of classical conservatives, classical liberals. So, and this is the role of government. Okay. So we've got some societal problem, let's say poverty. Okay. And the conservatives are going to look at it and they're going to say, uh, we need market solutions to this. 
And to varying degrees, they're right about that, and to varying degrees, they're wrong about that. But that's the case that they're making. Uh, a classical liberal might come in and say, well, we've got this problem, let's say poverty, and what we need are some government programs to uh, attend to this. And they, again, to varying degrees, are both right and wrong about that. Um, now, if if what they those two groups can do is they can say, look, this is what I have to contribute. The conservative can bring some market solutions and the liberal can bring an idea for a, a government program and they can say, this is what I think is going to help. I don't think that the answer is for them to kind of split the difference and say, well, we'll kind of like half-ass the market solution. We'll, we'll, we'll do the government program, but we'll only give you, you know, a third of the funding. Um, it's it's more about could both of them have a curiosity about, OK, let's actually figure out what the demands of the situation are and see which of these solutions actually is going to attend to that need rather than going for, well, it's all about about me. But so it's not so much that the let's say that the liberal would have to say, OK, well, you know, I, I, I get it like everybody has a, a voice here. And so, like, we'll do we'll do some market stuff if they really look at it and they say, I really believe and I have firm evidence uh, and convincing evidence to me that a market solution is not going to work here. And, I re and I've got also got confidence and, and some level of evidence that this government program is going to help. I, I don't want that liberal person to be you know pulling punches or to be compromising in what they really think is right. They, but they can do that in a way that still recognizes that, yes, in this person, they they have, if nothing else, a voice of critique for me to sharpen my own argument. And so and maybe that's the contribution that they give to me. Um, so it's not sit down, shut up and get in the corner. It's no stay here with me. Let's keep working. But I really think that this is what's right. So I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse, but I don't care. Uh, where does the courage to be imperfect fit in there? Well, I think on some because, level, it's because like what if there's like an impasse, like there's just there's yeah like they just it's a stalemate well i think it's at some level we go back to agreements that we've come to as a society you know in our country the agreement that we have is okay we're gonna we're gonna have people with differing opinions and there's a way in which we can go about disagreeing that is you know more helpful or not and this is kind of what we've been talking about so far but then at the end of the day it's okay we've got this legislative legislative branch and they have votes that they can cast and so you go you cast your vote and then guess what whoever gets more votes that's what we end up doing you know and you know maybe you need two-thirds majority or whatever but we've these are agreements that we've come to previously and i'm not saying that all those agreements are perfect i think that we could continue as a society to sharpen and mold we're, you know for the united states we're a very young country and culture and so we've got a lot of kinks to work out uh, and I think that we're doing some of that. But look, if we don't have another agreement that we've won from everyone, uh, we operate under the agreements that we have currently, and they're not so bad. You know, I mean, democracy, uh, you know, it, it, it functions. It's not perfect, but it functions. Gotcha. Are, how are we on time? Because I have like six more questions I want to ask you. But... Well, maybe maybe let's <laughs> shoot for one. So pick, it, pick your best question. My best question? Yeah. The pressure's on. Um... Well, I want to ask, you talk a lot about like the good, what is it, the good versus the true intent? Good intent versus, versus true, true intent. intent, yeah. Yeah, can you say a little bit more sure. about that? 
Well, it's, the, the reality is, is that all of us, you and I included, we're relatively self-deceived about what it is that we're really up to uh, in, in life and with our behavior. And so I think, you know, we would all kind of like to think that like, oh, well, I'm cooperative and, and I, uh, I'm socially interested. I, I have all this community feeling. I'm healthy. I'm not contemptuous. But I, I think then if we watch our behavior, we reveal our true intent. And so an example of this might be, let's say that I have a bunch of moral outrage about something. Okay, well, moral outrage, it could be that that is, in fact, virtuous. It's that I see something that is uh, unjust, and that I do. I experience an emotion of anger that perhaps I can even find a way to express uh, appropriately and, and for the common good. And that, and that can be, you know, perfectly appropriate. There's also another kind of moral outrage that is very much about putting other people down. Uh, and we've there's actually a fair amount, I mentioned this in the article, but there's been a fair amount of psychological research about this, about distinguishing between these two kinds of, of moral outrage. Um, one being, uh, I believe it's called empathic anger is the scientific term. Empathic anger. And that's maybe the socially interested kind. But, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but you know, I think, I also include in the article just some kind of red flag kinds of behaviors, you know, like, okay, am I having an imaginary argument with somebody on the other side of an issue where, of course, I've got all the little zingers and they just end up looking like an idiot? Uh, That's a very, very common behavior for people to have. And not socially interested. What has been done there? What is No, I mean, yeah, no no problems have been solved except (laughs) for my private need for elevating myself above other people. Um, and so we need to be a little bit honest with ourselves. You know, it'd be easy to, you know, have a little argument like that and then to say, well, it's just because I care so much about this issue. Actually, no, that's not true. That's your that's your good intent that you like to, right. you know, that's the picture of yourself that you like to look at. But your true intent is elevating yourself above other people. And by the way, mm-hmm. like, I, uh, like yeah, I do no, this. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very this. skilled at this. So um, reading your article, one of the things that it helps me remember is. Maybe this is fluffy. I don't care. Um, that even if I wholeheartedly disagree with someone, just at least acting as if they have something to contribute to whatever the situation is, it goes, it in, immediately connects you. Um, and then it's much easier to be more cooperative. Um, but even if you're like, Uncle Jerry has nothing to contribute. It's like <laughs> there has to be something that he can contribute, and that does it. It, it connects you, and then the correction can happen. Yeah. Um, after that, I think we just need to see that that as tempting as it is, and as easy it is as it is sometimes, it is fundamentally opposed to a solution because all that it's going to do is let's. It was Uncle Jerry. I, I think it was the name. Yeah, of, I don't know. Why. All Sorry, that, Jerry. <laughs> all that's going to do to Uncle Jerry is make him more likely to double down right. on his kind of vengeful contempt, uh, which then is going to make it more likely that we're going to want to double down on our vengeful contempt. And then we've got this nasty cycle. And I think is how we've ended up where we are, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, th- those are all my questions. That's not true. I have more questions, but that's all for time. So oh, okay. well, thank thanks. you, Galvin. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for listening. Make sure you read the article. It's really Bye. good.